Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Logan Clark. Now, Logan is a 13-year veteran in the television industry and creator of The Casting Collective. That's an an agency that brings like-minded professionals together in a collaborative and valued working environment, and it celebrates diversity and inclusion. He's also worked on major hit shows. I mean, the list is so long. But uh, a few that you might know, of course, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, and of course, Legendary on HBO Max. Logan, welcome to Motivation. Mondays. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. So thank oh. you for having having me on. This is um, we're, I'm excited to chat with you for sure about this and so much. Yes, yes. Well, that's the good thing about the show. We are very conversational, and um, you know that's part of the fun. So we really do get to chat. So first, I want to just tell you though, from a standpoint of having well, not having been, still being in like the performance realm myself, it's fascinating that today. In my opinion, it's fascinating that out actors, out performers are being cast because I come from like an earlier time, you know, hitting New York City and like you dare not tell anyone that you are mm-hmm. part of the LGBTQ community. So for you now with this sort of shift in the industry, how was that for you now actually going out and being like, no, these are queer identifying people and I'm going to make opportunities for them? You know, it's such a important conversation for me because, you know, as a, as a proud gay man, I never really found my place early on within the LGBT community. I didn't really connect with one subgroup or subculture more so than the other. So it kind of was like in this middle ground. And it wasn't until I really received the call to do Legendary Season 1 that I kind of found my, my community. And that was being so honored and so lucky and so privileged to be able to go out into the marketplace, have conversations with these incredible, incredible humans from across the country and truly around the globe and help tell their stories, you know, to, to provide the pathway to, you know, global recognition. You know, Legendary was such an important show for so many reasons. Uh, the largest black cast ever on television, the largest trans cast ever on television. But also it was about, um, it was, it was more than just the competition for, for the participants. It was about what happened after the end credits. It's about the, uh, Honey Balenciaga on tour with Beyonce. It's about, um, you know, about the house of, um, Mark Jacobs, you know, becoming, you know, globally recognized by way of uh, campaigns and commercial. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on. And even into mainstream, you know, Nike commercial, Adidas commercial, we're seeing, you know, ads in Macy's of, you know, these performers being who they authentically are. And so when I received the call and I was offered the position to, uh, lead the charge with my, um, with my casting partner, Lisa Turner, it was, one thing I, I asked for up front was like, we have to remain authentic at all times. And, and that authenticity just resonated with the conversations that we had with everybody, with the recruiting, with the, with the whole process that goes into casting an unscripted show. 
but it was so important for me as a as the little gay boy who grew up in New York, Pennsylvania, to finally find my my place within the LGBT community. It was probably the most rewarding show I've ever done uh, to date. So it's it's important. Diversity and, and recognition and all all of those things are so important within my space because of you know being that small gay kid in in a small or being being I wasn't small. I'm six foot eight. So but wait that, wait 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 wait. <laughs> you are how tall? I'm six foot eight. Six, um, I mean, that's not fair. I'm like five nine on a good day, <laughs> and you got all the height. And I gotta, if I want to be six feet, I gotta like blow out the afro bigger. Right? I'll get there, but damn. Okay, go ahead. I know, I know. So no, but 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 being from a small town and you know knowing what it was like to not see for a long time representation of who I was on on TV. My parents, you know, we were fortunate enough. We were pretty mid mid class, middle class family. We went to you know, a vacation once a year and we'd go to Disneyland or Disney World or something, you know, so, but I would always want to be, we didn't grow up with cable. So we had five stations. So when we would go on vacation, I'd have access to cable and it was all, you know, it was on. So I, I remember one year we were watching uh, The Real World season nine, which was in New Orleans. And that was when the uh, cast member Danny was on and his partner uh, was in uh, the military and they blurred out his face because of don't ask, don't tell. And I remember watching that as, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old and thinking, that's who I am. Like I, I, that connects with me. Yeah. And I had the, the privilege of actually meeting Danny not too long ago for a work thing. And being able to make that a, a full circle thing for me was kind of, you know, it was, it was super special. So. It is important. All of these things and, and, you know, when it comes to leadership and, and running teams and, and, and as a casting director, my number one job at the end of the day is to be the advocate for talent, is to be the person in the room. You know, at this point, we've got headshots on a wall. I have to be the one that says, no, the, you know, respectfully, you know, in these creative conversations, this person deserves this opportunity and to continue to fight and fight and fight. And I'll tell you, I won't mention names, obviously, but there's a lot of people that became became fan favorites that were originally a no. And, mm. you know, myself, my team, Lisa, we fought for them. And that's that's part of the gig is is seeing something that maybe producers don't see, networks maybe don't see, and saying, trust me. And knock on wood, we've been pretty successful so far in that. So because people don't really understand how the whole casting thing works. Obviously, you know, a, a production has come to you to find the actual people who are going to be in this. So they're trusting you with that role. I mean, so how much pushback, uh, you know, who, who actually has the final say though? Is it the casting director's like, no, Mr. Spielberg, this is the one, no. you know, <laughs> like yeah, who really does have the final? I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I will say we've been super lucky to work with 50 plus networks. Uh, production companies, different organizations uh, across, you know, across the country at this point. And I will say, hands down, I have worked with some of the best collaborators, whether it was executive producers, um, network executives. And I like to think I'm a people person. It's my business. So <laughs> it's always been my jug of choice um, is people. So, uh, but like, I feel like I've always gained the trust of, of the people that have the final say. And they've, they've given, they, I'm sure there's been a couple of times where I've, you know, maybe not lost the, the, uh, maybe lost the battle, but continue to fight the good fight for the, for the war, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I truly feel like I've worked with some incredible executives and, and production executives that have just 
trusted us. And so, yeah, it, it is the, ultimately their final say. It's their network. It's their show. They're buying it. But um, they do hire us for a reason. And it's not to just push paper. It's to have a perspective. And, you know, I work with Scout Productions a ton. They do Queer Eye. They do The Hype. They did Legendary. They do Swedish Death Cleaning. They, they do everything. They're, they're incredible partners. And they, of course, are the masterminds um, behind this new show for Hulu, uh, Living for the Dead. And um, working with them is just, it really is a dream come true. They're just some of the best, not only the best collaborators, creators, but humans. They're not only, you know, my boss, but they're also my friends. So that makes the creative process a little easier because we can, we can just kind of cut through the, the BS and just have honest conversation. But you know, it's like anything. It's a it's a choreography of of conversation uh, to to hopefully get people opportunities. Yeah, and I think uh, again, even that ties to uh, sort of like the earlier conversation about the differences that have been made in the industry in which now queer people are having the opportunities. Again, I remember just even when I look at like the rise of Billy Porter. Well, you know that you know that's a people think as an overnight sensation but you know i was auditioning with him in like the 90s you know for the same stuff and it takes a while for that to happen and now it's really funny now everyone wants a billy porter type you know and as opposed to years ago it's like oh you can't be that because you know you can't get a record deal if you're out and all that so i love i love that to segue to your new show which of course uh kristen stewart is the uh she's the executive producer of the show executive producer yeah and she's and she's actually i i I think that's out, it's out of the bag now by way of the trailer, but she's also narrating the piece as well. So um, it'll be a fun through line. She's, she's incredible. And, and again, a great collaborator. Yeah, she's really fun. I interviewed her uh, when the Charlie's Angels uh, film came out. And she and I had a very interesting um, exchange regarding uh, queer identity. But um, yeah, it was fun. And she's a, so to see her in something like a little a little bit more quirky, like uh, this new series called Living for the Dead is really great to see because she's taken on some really heavy roles. Uh, so it's probably her letting her hair down finally for something fun. A hundred percent. Yeah. So tell us about that show. So tell tell us about the new Living for the Dead show. Yeah. So Living for the Dead is premiering uh, next Wednesday, October 18th on Hulu, part of their Huluween, uh, you know, rollout. So, you know, it's the masterminds behind Queer Eye. Um, it's Kristen Stewart, and it's five incredibly talented, gifted uh, individuals from across the country, all with a special skill that will help um, in the journey of not only knocking on the door of those that are no longer, no longer with us, but also helping to heal those that are still around uh, and, and dealing with you know loss and 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 the things that may still be going bump in the night. I think that this is the kind of show that. You pour a glass of whatever your favorite thing <laughs> to drink is, and right. you you put, you sit around and you you're gonna you're gonna laugh a hundred percent. You're gonna uh, be scared uh, because there's some real spooky things that they get into. But just like every uh, everything that Scout Productions does and and the queer eye effect, there's gonna be some tears as well. There's some there's some resolution um, and some real healing that happens. And I think that it's an incredible show. They went to some of the most beautiful places across the country um, in their in their little RV, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So they're like ghost hunters though, right? That's the... Exactly, yeah. So, it, so it's, it's, a, it's a medium, it's a witch, it's a paranormal researcher, it's a tarot card reader and researcher. And they are all trying to, you know, again, every week they have an assignment and they are, are trying to figure out, you know, what what is happening? Get to the bottom of it and have some resolution for 
the entity that might be on the other side, but also the um, the person that's with us still here on Earth. So it's you know it's funny because this whole process for me, I, listen, I live in the middle of I, I did live in the middle, I should say, of being a full believer of paranormal and being a skeptic, and I think that really helped me with the casting process because. I wasn't like, everybody has it, right? But I wasn't like, <laughs> nobody's got it. Right, so right. I was really like, you know, we, we had over, I mean, we put the call out. And then, of course, Kristen also put the call out. We had over 2,000 plus um, people get in contact with us from around the world. And we ended up meeting with about a little over 100. And of those 100 people, I had a one-on-one with each and every one of them to understand their gift, understand their skill, understand what they had to, to offer the show. And there were some people, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, I think I'm a pretty good bullshit reader. So I, I can kind of see through it. I think it's what I like to walk into a room and see kind of the person's soul in five minutes. It's my, my superpower, I suppose. And so having this opportunity to meet with them uh, and understand, you know, spirit guides and, and the, the things that they tap into, I was able to kind of separate the oil and water pretty quickly and let me tell you, the, the folks that made it, we brought 30 to LA at the end of the day. We brought 30 um, paranormal experts and uh, 30 turned into 20, 20 turned into 15 and the 15 turned into the five that we'll see. But they are the best of the best. They are incredible characters, extremely gifted in what they do. And th- there's no denying it. Like I can tell you from the horse's mouth, I sat here and had personal readings with each one of them. And they brought up things and said things to me that not a person on this planet would know. Uh, so it's it's that kind of stuff that you're like, okay, well, there has to be something there. Yeah, no, I absolutely um, have grown up in a family that was very, you know, very connected in that way in some aspects. And my mom with the Ouija board really freaks me out. She like literally has mm. like a, a thing with it, right? Like, it, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of nuts. The trailer was a lot of fun. I saw the trailer, great. The clowns freaked me out. I don't do clowns. Yes. That was my, I was <laughs> Listen, done with the clowns. I was like, <laughs> what was funny is that like, you know, a lot of these shows, I, not only do I, I cast, I also co-executive produce a lot of shows. And for this one, I was just across the casting and they were like, Hey, we're, we're shooting our first episode. Would you want to come out on the road and just kind of, you know, see us off? And I was, uh, you know, was looking at schedules and whatnot. And they said, yeah, it's at the clown motel. And I was like, you know what? I think I'll <laughs> just watch from <laughs> I'm the, good. <laughs> from, I'm supporting from afar. Right, um, right, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the the trailer I think that hits the nail on the head. It's 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 got that spook factor, that freak factor, but also it's got the levity that keeps us on our toes, you know. Yeah, and I have to just say, as a, I'm also a copywriter and advertising, pretty, pretty much which led me to the work I do now, but still a writer and the living for the dead i mean the people who get it get it how funny that exactly i am living for the dead that's hilarious i love so, it it's, yeah well done on whoever named it i know yeah exactly i don't even know who who where, where the <laughs> name finally came from but let me tell you it's perfect and you know i also have to just say too like in terms of the diversity of the cast and having you know kind of you look at the poster and to for me to see Roz hernandez who is just a force to be reckoned with. She is a, a Latina trans woman based here in Los Angeles. And she is, you know, she's, I've known her for years. Um, she is hilarious and sh- this is her brand, but to see her on that poster at a bus stop, I'll tell you what, I got so emotional seeing that because that is the representation I fight for every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. 
especially, you know, and it, it, as a white man, like I know the position that I'm in and I want to use that to open every single fucking door I can for people. And, and that's, that's just the honest to God truth. And I have believed in her since day one. And I was so excited to see that she would, I was excited that she made the final cast, but also in my head, it was always her at the front of that V and I'm glad that everybody else saw that too. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, I love that you brought that up because it's wonderful for so many of us who have known performers who are now blowing up, as you just mentioned, you've known her for years. Um, I worked with Isis King, like, and we were like working at like the express and the mall, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, literally, and this was when she was like kind of before the actual, she was transitioning, but not, uh, surgically at that time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I was just enamored and like, we would like be putting out like stock on the floor, like at two in the morning in the mall and we crank up the music and the store was long. So she'd start doing like pumping runway down the, <laughs> down I love the aisle, it. I love you know, it. in like a mall <laughs> in Jersey, you know? And so to see her have come where to where she is now, I mean, brilliant actress and, you know, I mean, not award-winning and also, um, iconic in the sense that she's one of the, the, the current kind of leading the new generation, if you will, of young transgender people, her, Laverne Cox. It's really great to see that. And so what you do is really magnificent because you help facilitate that. So I have to commend you on that. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, again, like I, I will say I, um, you know, from a small, from a young age, like, you know, in college, I can remember, of course you watch like Paris is burning and you, you understand I, I, I went to school in Pittsburgh. So I, I remember when I was looking for, um, we were doing the college, you know, tour of like, where am I going to go to school? And I remember my parents and I were in Pittsburgh and we were coming back from a dinner and I saw two men holding hands crossing the street and my parents saw it as well. And I remember like seeing that. And at that point I wasn't out. And, um, I remember seeing that and like just getting so overwhelmed with emotion that I knew that I was going to fit in. And I want so many other people to have that feeling. And if it's seeing a transgender woman on a poster or on a show and they're like, wow, I, I, I fit in. I, I see myself. That's, that's all I want. That's yeah. all I've ever wanted was to, to, to have that feeling that I had as a young kid starting a new chapter of my life, you know, having that opportunity for, for, you know, kids and for, for, you know, tomorrow's leaders and for tomorrow's stars and just giving people that sense of hope because, you know, I, I grew up in a super like very, very, very supportive household and I, I did not have a tragic coming out story. And so for me, knowing that that is not necessarily what everybody's journey or story, it's a scary place for a lot of people. And so even though the show is light and fun and silly and a bit campy, I'm sure along the way, it also is really important and just like legendary and, and kind of all the shows that we do, uh, having that representation. Even, you know, when it comes down to, I do a, a show called I Can See Your Voice, which is with Fox, Ken Jung hosts, even shows that are on major broadcast networks, you know, we're always advocating for diversity in every sense of the word. And we have had some of, uh, some of the most incredible performers that are from all walks of life on major broadcast networks as well. So it's, it's not just the streamers that have the appetite for it. It is, 
you know, we're circling back to what you were bringing up before about outperformers and it's, it's outperformers, it's transformers, it's non-binary. It's, it's all of these verticals of, of representation that not only streamers are looking to, to, to put on their, on their shows, but major broadcast networks as well, which I think is such a, a, a testament to the change that has happened um, in the last five, 10 years. So, yeah. And, and, and it's, that leads me to the next point too, about authenticity, you know, and what we talk about often on motivational Mondays with different thought leaders and CEOs or whomever is that the most success you're going to have in life is when you can show up as your most authentic self. And it's one of those phrases everyone uses, but it's absolutely true. And I always share with people that, you know, that's when my life absolutely changed when I grew up and said, you know what, um, I'm going to abandon those boxes that I wasn't supposed to check, you know, um, even to the point of like, you know, uh, having grown my hair out, like, you know, that was in some ways radical versus the every two weeks getting a little haircut like I did as a little boy. But when I owned all of it and walked into the room and said, no, I own this, that's when things happen. So with that said, I do wonder, how do you navigate between that balance of authenticity with the casting choices you make and avoiding stereotypes? Or are they synonymous? Like, you know, are some of the people you cast, are they actually, in those cases, a walking stereotype? And that's kind of, they own that. And they, you know, I think there's a balance there. But do you, do you have a fear of trying not to play into stereotype when you're casting the LGBTQ characters? It's such a great question. And I'm going to use um, Legendary as an example, because when we were casting Legendary, and this is, you know, a pretty known fact uh, on the ballroom community, is that they most all have a similar story of being discriminated against, being marginalized, being kicked out of home, being put, you know, and that's why they found some solidarity in these, these, these houses, right? The house of Lenciaga, the house of Miyaki um, Mugler, the house of Balmain, whatever it is, they found their safe space with their chosen family. And so for me, when we were looking at the story. So like I mentioned before, I not only cast, but I also co-executive produce. So I'm always thinking about my colleagues that are going to be catching the ball on the other side of the casting step, how they're going to tell the stories of the people that I'm finding. Right. So it's, it's about finding people that fit the bill, which for me is like the X and the Y axis. Okay. They're, they're ballroom, you know, they're in the ballroom community. They are incredible what they do. They have great character, you know, attributes, et cetera. But what's the Z? What's the Z axis? What is the story that's going to come out that's going to super, you know, it's not about the fact that they, because guess what? Unfortunately, this community all has that similar story. <laughs> right, but how right, do I make right. everybody feel a little bit different? And that's doing the hard work, digging deep, having meaningful conversations and building the trust of the people that we're casting to open up. And that for me is how I have overcome stereotypes because yes, I want to make sure that there's representation for everybody, but we're not just putting on people to put people on. I want them to be the best in what they do. I want them to be the, 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 have, have the, you know, the best voice or the, the dopest moves or the funniest bits or whatever it is. Because for me, representation isn't about just putting people on the check boxes. For me, representation is about putting, putting the people that are going to watch is giving giving the audience true representation of people that they connect with. And if you don't have that connection, the representation doesn't matter. That's, that's what I feel is that if just putting somebody on that doesn't do the justice it's meant to do. Putting somebody on that is really owning and killing and slaying the fuck out of what they do. 
that's representation in its best way. So when it comes to stereotypes, I mean, everyone's got to have, we, we have to have representation, but it's really about finding the best people within every uh, community and every walk of life. Yes. You know, it's funny about that. Someone I had on just recently on, on the show brought up um, their perspective on the term inclusivity. And she said, it was an, an interesting take. She says in the corporate world, she says she actually tries to tell corporate brands to stop using this sort of idea of inclusivity because what happens is if you include somebody, that doesn't mean you've actually empowered them to participate. So I love that's really what you're saying. You know, you're like, I'm not just putting them there because we need, okay, drag queen check, right? Absolutely it's, not. You're mm -hmm. bringing it forward with a story, something that the audience will engage with and take something from. Maybe someone will identify with that story and connect with them. That's more to totally. it. Yeah, because if you put to your, to use your example, if I, you know, we find somebody and it's like, okay, well, let's put a drag queen on the show. Okay, great. We'll put a drag queen on the show. Then what? Right? <laughs> right. It's like, right. It's a, then what? Okay, so then what are they doing? What, like, are they just, you know, are, is it just a spectacle here? Like, what, what, what's the story? And it's like, okay, so we want to have a drag queen on. We're going to find the best drag queen. We're going to find the funniest, you know, the, whatever the, the, the show may be, if it's a singing show, dancing show, whatever it is. But we had, you know, we, for I Can See Your Voice, we had a drag queen on two seasons i think the first season and the third season which will be airing uh in 2024 so that's a little tease i guess that's it's yeah. coming coming your way yeah but, drop um, the ball yeah yeah there we go hey but it's not just about box checking it's about okay this person is the best option because x y and z and so um yeah it, it, it's it, i think it's counterproductive to just include representation at a surface level. It has to have depth. It has to have purpose and it has to have meaning. Is the show I can see your voice. Is that the one that uses virtual characters? No. So that was alter ego. Alter so ego. I can, okay. Yeah. I can see your voice. It's in its third season. It's on Fox hosted by Ken Jung. It is uh, with a hundred thousand dollars on the line. Can one contestant figure out the singers on stage? Who is a good singer and who is a bad singer without ever hearing the notes? So they do a lip sync round, they do a, a video package round, they do a Q&A round. It is so much fun. It's such an armchair detective show, sit around with the family. Um, <laughs> but we have discovered, I don't want to tell you too much of how the sausage is made, but I'll tell you, this is the type of show that performers come on, not to compete against each other, but to showcase their talent. And so we have had some incredible, 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 incredible vocalists from across the country that um, have come on and you know played the game and have show, shared their talent and along the way made uh help help uh this contestant make a lot of money and life-changing money and and there's so much heart in the show uh i was just saying the other day about a story um season one we had bob saget the late amazing bob saget on the panel and he said he has never been invested more so than that one hour of television that he was a part of because it's just such a a draw you're in the game you're you're trying to figure it out but also you know this person playing their lives could change especially you know these game shows post-pandemic money hits different you know before money of course the money's cute the money's the money you know the coin is nice but post-pandemic you're talking about getting people back on their feet you're talking about people who have been through some shit that are able to finally take a breath we're almost towards the end of our, our time here, but I do want to talk again about um, what I do think is important about the uh, authenticity, which is why I think Ryan Murphy is doing so well as uh, with the with the shows he's doing, because he is also 
kind of unapologetically casting people who are actually of these certain different uh, backgrounds. And, and, and when it came to Pose specifically, as a kid from New York hanging out in those days, mm. um, I was very like arm folded, like when that came on, like, y'all better not mess this up because I was there. You know what I mean? And having it, seeing it authentically that way was really all the difference. And that's what turned that cast into these amazing stars that we have now doing major campaigns and major national brands for brands like Lincoln. I would have never thought I would have seen a, trans a transgender spokesperson for a luxury car, for example. So, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and that's, that's the part that when, when you know, we talk about, you know, representation and what, again, what I always talk about is beyond the credits. It's like, what is this opportunity going to unlock for you in your future? It's not just about the now, but it's about what, you know, and again, it's not opportunistic and not about trying to think too far ahead, but like, you know, when every do when one door closes, you want the next door to be ready to open. And um, these shows are huge opportunities to springboard and, you know, getting, you know, even talking with the cast of Living for the Dead, you know, as we were starting to lock them eyes and listen, you need to get your mind wrapped around. You're going to have a huge following. You're going to have a huge platform. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about? Because you're not going to have some ears that are going to want to listen. So, you know, and these guys have, have been prepped and, and are buckled up, ready for, for takeoff. Um, and I do think that, um, you know, not going we're all very excited about the possibility of doing this again, but I do think that that there's going to be a massive response to this, not only from the folks that are uh, obviously obsessed with and love the Kristen Stewart uh, ecosystem, but also the paranormal world, the LGBT world. There's a lot of representation just from from genres as well. So um, I'm so excited for everybody to see it on October 18th this Wednesday. Gosh, man, thank you so much for sharing all that with us today. Mr. Logan Clark, 13-year veteran in television and the creator of the Casting Collective. Thanks for being here today with me on Motivational Mondays. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.